Hello and welcome to part two of the A to Z Scottish Women's Football with myself, Chris Marshall. Hello, Campbell Finlayson and Callum uh, Patterson from Glasgow City. Uh, we are covering letters H all the way up to P. So, yeah, this is part two. There's going to be three parts of the series, three parts. So this is part two. Um, so hopefully you enjoy it. But um, for now, I'll leave you and I'll speak to you again at the end. So we've done G, so let's now go into H. Um, okay, I'm going to continue my team. So I said Glasgow City for G. I went for Hibernian for H because I thought to myself, in terms of recent history, at least in Scottish women's football, you can't can't really talk about it without Hibs. I, I was having to really delve into the Scotland squad recently. So the 36 players that were listed on Wikipedia, a third of them had played for Hibs at some point in their career over the last few. The most recent one, Amy Muir, who played at the Pinotar Cup. Um, and they also obviously had a... Pretty much a domination of the domestic cups up until the Scottish Cup uh, last year, uh, Callum. In terms of somebody at Glasgow City, what's your take on Hibs in terms of them being kind of your main rivals? Let's be fair over the last few years. Yeah, I know that it's been it's been very you know good to and fro, and um, you know Hibs have been a big part of the way the leagues went. And you know I've covered a lot of Hibs games out with you know Glasgow City with my kind of SWF hat on, so I like to remain as neutral. Um, so I've covered a lot of their semi-finals against other teams and whatnot, and and. You know, always been you know impressive, and you know you have to remember before Glasgow City's league domination, Hibs were the team you know after Kilmarnock. So, um, Hibs always been there and thereabouts. Had that kind of spell, I think, where they're kind of evolving a lot, but they brought through you know you know they start bringing through players such as, um, you know, um, Arnett and Williamson and um, you know Tweedy and Jenna Five as well. You know, so that was kind of the early kind of part of the last decade was kind of a bit slower, but. That's where you know Siobhan Hunter as well, kind of players like that. And then it just came good for them, kind of 2014 onwards. We've seen that the, the gap start to close, kind of from then. Um, so you know, it's you know, the probably you know, the cup finals. I think it's been it's the way it's worked. It's been quite strange how you know, in the, the kind of last few years had the league games. There was probably I'm trying to think. I think it was 20 2018 would be the season where I think. Probably for Hibs in the run, might be the one where they felt got away because you know they, they kept it so close to the second half game of the season. Um, although he still kind of felt, despite them winning the cup game the weekend before, that City still kind of you know for some reason they had it ingrained that you know they were the, the side that were going to win the league. Hibs kind of had it in their psyche that um, you know they were the cup team, it kind of came weird kind of psychology and, and the two different competitions. And I mean, I no for excuse. I think one of, there's one or two games certainly towards the end of the season, like that cup semi-final. Um, I think the cup semi-final was that the that wasn't the year 2018. That no, was the year after. I was thinking there was the year with City went to Kazakhstan, but that was 2017. But 2018 was like in between. I think the Barcelona Champions League games that was that year. So having to put a semi-final against Hibs was quite tough. And then I think I think the 2017 cup final was you know a few weeks after Kazakhstan and just kind of. A bit like how um, Celtic beat City towards the end of 2019, where you know Champions League does catch up if you're playing Champions League, and you know there could well be other teams if we get two places in the new format where they'll have to juggle that as well. Um, so there was kind of that scenario. The games, the cup games, have been pretty close, um, on the most part. Um, you know, in the semi-finals that they've met, bar you know one or two where Hibs kind of let's see, maybe had a bit more legs. Um, the game that Tony Macaroni comes to mind. Um, but no, it's been good. It's been good to see that challenge there and we've just got the hope that um you know as good as you want more teams to be involved at the top end um that hips don't you know disappear for too long or or don't disappear at all you want you know if you have four teams going for the title that'd be great hips obviously lost some players to rangers and um, they've kind of lost a succession of players um i think this year we're 29 no, last year now um you know the years are running months are running together at the moment in lockdown but last year I think Hibs took that had to take that bit of time to readjust because that was the first year where they lost several players. Glasgow City somehow seemed to keep rebuilding and rebuilding, had their maybe slowish kind of starts but could handle it. Um, maybe less than the last couple of years and Hibs are closer. Um, whereas Hibs at the first time with you know half their squad was gone um in you know, a couple of windows and it was always gonna be tough, but the kind of second half of the season they were, you know, Bayern obviously helped with their League Cup win. Um, and they've kind of had to rebuild the game, but they kind of went more from down the kind of one or two younger players promoting them from within. They still have that spine in there. Hopefully, they've got the goals in there. Um, if you're a neutral and and, and wanting the challenge, um, so 
fingers crossed they're still about and, and you know, we've got four teams likely if you're gonna go to what the, the signings would say in paper. Um but you know, it's been good. It's been it's been excellent. I mean that you know, obviously it doesn't matter. I mean the Hibs win the games they've other seven games up. You know, I've there've been some excellent moments to call, um, you know, commentating and, and, and majority of those those duels in the last, you know, four or five years. Yeah, and I think um, one of the things you've kind of alluded to there, Callum, and it was something I was, I listened to the, and I always like just giving blogs to people I've listened to. I was listening to the Lowly Gramblings podcast with Kenny Crawford, who does kind of freelance stuff for BBC, and he was talking yeah. about how he's got a team, but actually the more you cover more teams, the more you're kind of like, you just kind of want everybody to do well when you, you kind of lose that edge a little bit. And I was thinking about that, and when you were talking about how you still had good moments commentating on Hibs, even as from a Glasgow City perspective. It was kind of the way I thought about it as well in that regard. But yeah, I mean, that that 2018 team, they were kind of, I think they were almost like the Zenith. They won the two cup finals by an aggregate of like 17 goals to nil. So they beat Celtic 9-0, I think it was a Falkirk Stadium, and then it was 8-0 against Motherwell. Um, I remember both, I think it was, I was at both those games. I, I remember them both. Um, in terms of what Hibs are going to be going forward, Campbell, um, I'll get your take on that in terms of what you think Hibs are going to be in terms of challenges this season and then ask you what's your letter H um, I think I mean, since I've obviously started covering the women's game the last year and a half two years Hibs were obviously as Callum says sort of you side with, with, uh, alongside Glasgow City that was kind of up there challenging and obviously as you've mentioned as well they just could never seem to get past them in the league but when it came to the Cups Hibs always had that edge and obviously as you say, they've been losing players and struggled to replace them. And you've still got some of the experienced ones, the likes of Siobhan Hunter, Joel Murray, Rachel Boyle, that are all there. But when you're losing the likes of Abby Harrison, you're, um, Kirsten Riley at the time, Jamie Lee Napier, obviously it is tough to replace them. And obviously they've lost a couple of themselves, but they've always been that bit ahead. And then Celtic and Rangers, as we've said, making these additions as well. So you're gonna, it's going to be tough for Hibs. I don't think really fall away I mean we've said this in the preview things Chris I don't think they're going to they're going to suddenly just disappear into any oblivion and they're obviously still a big draw in the women's game but I think this could be one of the years where they're maybe down to potentially four perhaps that just that wee bit lower than they have been I hope they don't sort of just disappear certainly I don't think they will but it's one where you just gonna you have to hope that they stay at the top level of their game um, for as long as they can Um. In terms of my letter H, this is I've went with Hammond Coleslaw, which takes me back to <laughs> that incredible screen that we had because something I've been. Um yeah, so obviously with media things and that we've really like to go to the game to report on it first and foremost, but you also have these sort of perks of what scran you're getting. So can I put that on to you two, but what is the best scran you've had while at a women's game? Well, mm. before we get to that, realise you made a, you made a mess of that because it was chicken and coleslaw, not ham and coleslaw. There was also ham and coleslaw. All right, okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> no, I'm not ridiculous, don't worry. I'll tell you what, Callum, I'll let you start with that one because um, obviously you, you're a man, as you mentioned, uh, rugby. I know you're into your hockey as well. So have you had any kind of things you've just kind of like put your finger in the air and gone mwah in terms of uh, what you've had on match days? Um, I'm trying to think in the women's game I never get enough time to go occasionally they say I mentioned the Sparks pies um, or Hibs whether, whatever game you're at the Ainsley Park pies yes are, are pretty good um, others you know I know I've covered the men's school there's some good um, places for uh, pies I know in like Murrayfield's press but it's superb just on a side point um, and not necessarily pies or food but um, I mean you guys might appreciate it as, as press guys that um when I was in Bromby, and not Brown, um, when we were in Bromby for the Champions League game um, the end of last year, um, I, I mean, it was a bit of a crystal maze to get up to the press box and then went to go back downstairs to go into the gantry um, for the commentary. Um, but the press box was like, it was amazing. Um, it, like, they came in with hundreds of programmes and, you know, team cheats about an hour until the game because obviously you have a game. But then they had on the table, they had like biscuits and bowls of fruit. Then they had a big coffee maker machine, help yourself. They had a big glass fridge with, you know, different types of cans of juice and bottles of water. And then they had crisps, or like some crisps in, in, in the kitchen, the kitchen area. Um, you had to clean, you had to, if you had, took one of their actual mugs, you had to clean it yourself. But most people would just take wake-ups. But it's like literally like a cafe, a free cafe. Um, 
Unfortunately, it took too long a half time to get anywhere near it, so I just enjoyed <laughs> it for the, the hour and a half before the game that we got there. But that was like an insanely good media setup. I am um, so, and I think you'll both agree in this regard, especially in terms of covering football, but in football in general, I am super privileged that I get the opportunity to go and cover a game of football. Um, I I will never I'll never forget that, especially somebody who went away from it for a long time um, for numerous reasons, but. Um, I don't. I always think of it as a nice bonus. I don't think of it as an expectation. See, if I went to a game of football and I didn't get anything, I would be fine. At the end of the day, it's only a couple of hours of my life. I can get something home on the way back. Yeah. But what I would say is, when I was at Easter Road for the Scotland-Cyprus game, the the pie spread, and everybody knows I like it, enjoy a good pie, the, the pie spread was phenomenal. Um, actually, Campbell, you, when we were at the Champions League game against uh, Slavia Praha, it, it was the same spread. So you had like macaroni pie, Steak pie, normal pie, and they had this kind of weird, really peppery pie, which was really good. But um, I think that's probably it. I agree, though. The Force Bank sandwich spread was was top notch that day. It was it definitely kind of got us through. And then obviously after the game, we got some pasta because um, we were hanging about doing player interviews and there was pasta left over, so that was making my dinner on the way home. <laughs> um, what about your H Cam? Uh, Callum? Um, very H. Um, I've kind of went for a bit of a um. Biased on but not to Glasgow City or anything. Um, a biased to a biased to my borders kind of roots. Um, so I've got Hoyk, uh, which was the birthplace of um, Hoyt United um, ladies, which are now known as Borders ladies, but I couldn't fit that into B. Um, <laughs> it was just like uh, you know, I kind of uh, kudos to you know them, and I'm pleased that we've kind of got some representation in the women's game down in that part of the world in the kind of um, in the well last year SWFL two. Um, so obviously they're kind of very much amateur and you know I think we train maybe twice a week possibly I know a couple of girls I went to school with um, that were in part of the team the first year I don't think they're I'm pretty sure they're not there now um, as of this year um, so I've just kind of it's great to see um, the, the spread and obviously you could mention um, you know and maybe I'm kind of um, you know I don't maybe stole one from someone else maybe not um, but the kind of growth you've seen in the, the Highlands and, and the league up there as well. So uh, just a, a, a purely biased one um, to to get some borders chatting there. <laughs> no, that's that's absolutely fine. I mean, uh, I, I, re- I refrained myself from using a letter early on for something that I'm sure Campbell will recognise. Can I ask you a question though about, because one, one of the pieces that was on a view from Test before I, I joined the show um, was about Hoyk Royal Albert United. Yeah. Uh, it's obviously like trying to make football work in a rugby town. Is it the same in the women's game in terms of does a lot of the, the female population play rugby and then football is a kind of secondary or is it a little bit different? Well, see, this is an interesting thing. Um, rug, women's rugby is is not really taken off until recently. and But I'm, I'm trying to think, because um, I don't get down home too often, because um, I'm coming from Kelso and we've got, um, we've got we've kind of lost the Kelso United in recent years, the men's team, um, that were in the East Scotland League, they kind of merged with the amateur team. Um, so a bit like Hoyt Royal Albert United, they're kind of the same boat, they've kind of lost their senior team and they're now just an amateur game. Um, the rugby team plays in the second tier um, in, in the men's game. But in the last few years, there has been a women's team that's came and Gash, Gala, RFC kind of joined it for a bit, but they kind of broken away. I'm not sure if Gala have got a team now in their own right, possibly. I know Kelso, um, RFC women, they play, I think it's the East of Scotland, like, I think it's like, it works at like third tier or something. Um, they play in like the East of Scotland League, they play on Sunday, they play the games on Coinda Park, it's like the main pitch in the town, and it has a stand, and it has a, you know, it's probably like a junior football ground in terms of, you know, it's got a good clubhouse and stuff, and you can have to drink at the games. Um, a lot of the women, I think, are just kind of, well, they're all obviously amateur and, you know, got jobs, a lot of them, I think, there's quite a few, I think, in their, well in their 30s and that, they just play, the train, they train once a week, um, and it's good to see. And uh, also, there's quite a lot of women's football um, figureheaded now into the, the Scottish rugby uh, management scene. Um, and you know, Scotland women's kind of rugby team is kind of improving. I think there's still quite a, bit, a long way to go. Um, and you compare it to some other home nations and, and whatnot, and in France and rugby, but um, but but yeah, so um, I think women's sport is just gradually keeping in whether it's football or rugby down down there. Um, and I guess the same up north, and we've seen the new Highlands and Islands League, which um, you know 
we'll take a, probably a wee bit of bedding and hopefully players will start to over years to come may well find their route into um, you know maybe who knows the SWPL football and it might well help teams like Thorpe or Aberdeen who you know there is less you know certainly at the top end of the game up there um, players that they can probably choose from No yeah I, I just thought it was an interesting insight to get because in my head I just I never really associated I have um, I've tried to expand leading line into other sports a little bit I haven't done it yet and I probably won't do it for a long time um, <laughs> but um, rugby is one of my one of my ones and I actually have a really bad track record to try to watch Scotland play rugby uh, the women's team the last two times I've gone the game's been uh, called off once because of snow and once because of wind <laughs> um, so yeah uh, hopefully next time I actually get to, to go down and see it but um, okay Let's move on to I. Um, Campbell, what's your I? Um, internationals. You've sort of touched on it a wee bit yourself um, with the Euros being moved in Scotland. You'll be playing sort of qualifiers around this time. And it's another one that's been disappointed. Obviously, it makes sense with the virus and things that they're all postponed. Um, and it could be a potential delayed qualification for Scotland for Euro 2021, I think. They're still calling it, despite the fact it's obviously taking place in 2022. So, just a kind of look ahead to really how Scotland would have got on. Obviously, there's the announcements of the games being played at Easter Road, Tynecastle. You've touched on the Easter Road pies there as well. Are you sort of would the period be pleased with the fact they're being played again at these two Edinburgh grounds? And sort of how decent are they in terms of venues for watching women's football? And also, how do you think Scotland would have got on um, in the upcoming qualifiers? Uh, I'll tell you what, I'll take this first, Cal, because um, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question on the back of it based on what I've picked. So, I um, I quite like Easter Road as a venue. It's a bit big, um, but I have no problem with ambition. I think I remember when it was selected, my opinion was, because I think it was after Hibs had played there in the, the Champions League, and I think I remember thinking that it was too big for Hibs, but for a Scotland game it could be pretty good, and I think uh, the view you got from the gantry for that wasn't great because all the fans were kind of underneath you so you could only see like the other side of it which is a bit confusing um but i thought i think Easter was a good venue you get good sight lines um it's pretty accessible uh both time castle and i i think time castle is probably a little bit easier because you can walk directly i mean you can walk from waverley to to Easter road and you can walk from um, haymarket to time castle both it's about 20 minutes for both i would say um but yeah i was pretty happy with them as venues I think that in terms of the results, I think we probably would have beaten Albania. And I think we would have beaten Portugal. I'm really confident about the Scotland team, if I'm being totally honest with you. Um, Callum, I'll get you to answer Campbell's question, but I'm also going to throw in another question for you, which is my eye was Ify Dekeke, easy for you to say, is Ify Dekeke, who played for Scotland, got over 100 caps, um, and she was only one of two Scots to play in the GB Olympic team um, back in 2012, the other being Kim Little. So, answer Campbell's question in terms of how do you think Scotland are going to get on in terms of the venues? And my follow-up question to you would be, what's your take on the GB Olympic team? Is that something that you are for or against in terms of Scotland players participating in? Um, okay, um, the GB one, no, no, I'm getting started. Um, um, that could be there all night. In terms of um, how Scotland will get on, I think, um, or where to get on, um, I'm, I'm fairly confident Um I think also I think Portugal away later on is going to be quite um, important, but no, I think I think it'll be good. Um, I think they should be looking at Albania, um, Finland tough um, game, but I like how the kind of format is big game. It feels like big games all the way. Um, and to kind of just point on your um, grounds question, I, well, I've never been to Easter Road for a, a, a women's game, a national team game. Um, I've only kind of done. The ones nearby um, at the Paisley um, at St Mirren. Um, I think Tynecastle was a fantastic spectacle for the cup final. Um, it is a little bit feels I don't know why I beat beat Easter Road for um, men's games, but um, Tynecastle first time I was at Tynecastle for any game was that cup final, and I did like the kind of it just felt a little bit tighter than Hibs. Although I do like Hibs yeah. and I do like their pies as well. Um, they are good. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I'm fairly, fairly confident about Scotland um, in the coming games. Um, and your question on Team GB, well, see, I've kind of, I think, uh, I've had a good uh, Twitter conversation in the past, I think, with um, Alan Campbell about this. Um, to be honest, I don't, I don't care, really. I don't mind. Um, I, I, 
but don't think. I mean, I can see why it could be seen as wrong, and you know, FIFA, you know, like people might feel like other nations might feel like, well, why does you know UK or Great Britain effectively have one team of of you know or four nations, you know, out out with you know an Olympics. Um, I can understand that, but in the grand scheme of things, I really don't care. Um, you know, I mean, take away any politics, whether you want to be part of, you know, a GB union or you want to be independent, Scotland or whatever. You know, at the moment, we're a GB Olympics team. You know, I'll, I'll support at the moment because, you know, we're, we're part of the we're GB or part of the UK. I'll support GB athletes wherever part of the UK they come from. You know, I'll watch rugby and the Lions come together every four years, all the home nations. Um, and there's not like any clamour from New Zealand or Fiji or whatever to say like they need to come, they need to play as JV all the time. Um, I, maybe I, I don't understand the full politics of it, but in the grand scheme of things, it's a four-year thing. It's once a time. I, in hockey, I, and that's kind of been interesting learning the hockey kind of model um, because in, in hockey. Um, they, they they obviously play Scotland and England and whatnot as their own nations, and they play every two years um, in qualifiers for the World League, which is like the best, kind of like the World Cup. Um, and they also play in the Euro Hockey Championships in the alternative years, which is like the Six Nations. And Scotland won the second division women's last year. I was in the men are in the second division this year, looking to get promoted back into the top tier. Um, so they play these alternative tournaments now in a world in a Olympics, like I might be going into technicals here, but Olympics kind of cycle period um, for the kind of final two years of the Olympics period, GB players kind of play for their nation, but also GB. And I think, I think, I might be wrong, I think in the World League before the Olympics, it's not the individual nations that play, it's GB that play, because um, it's usually qualified through England, a bit like women's Olympics. So GB actually play. Now, this is not a scenario ever happened in football, but GB kind of play as a team um, in this World Cup, effectively, before the Olympics. Um, and then, that, the, then the, however well they do is kind of split between the home nations. So the home nations' world rankings aren't affected too much. So if there's four Scotland players in the GB team, Scotland gets the percentage, that percentage into their world rankings. So keep Scotland's world ranking at a steady level, same for Wales. And, and England, obviously, England do quite well in kind of because... They have the most players usually, um, but they they do that in a two-year system, so like a two-tiered some international tournaments for the na- nations and some for GP. Then GB go to the Olympics, and then it goes back to just being individual nations because they're all competing individually for the Commonwealth Games because it's obviously Scotland, England, and whatnot. And that seems to work. I think there's maybe a little bit of a great ball. Scotland and, and Wales kind of don't get as many points, so they suffer, and England do quite well. Um, but they seem to dovetail that quite. Fine, and there's no any international pressures for um, those nations to, you know, should only be playing as GB all the time. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like to confess that there may be more politics in there that, you know, and I can maybe can understand nations that might feel like, why do we have, you know, one for the Olympics and four different chances per se for international tournaments? But once every four years, crack on and then move on back to your international nations but maybe I'm just too simplistic and I'm a bit black and white about certain things and just like to crack on No, I think um, I'm of the opinion that if it was a problem, it would have been a problem before now um, I also think that I, I remember speaking to a couple of players about it and they are very much the opinion that it's a good opportunity, I mean We've obviously I referenced Ifedieki and, and Kim Little um, when I was I was kind of making that point there, and I think the Olympics for women's football is different from the men's game in, in terms of at the moment the Olympics is one of the pinnacle events. It's not a under twenty three team that go; it's a it's a full team. Yeah. Um, and I think to deprive people of that opportunity seems a bit mad. I, I think I would, if if I was skillful enough to represent anybody at anything. Maybe eating pies, but represent anybody anything. Um, I'd be pretty annoyed if somebody kind of said to me, "No, you can't do that," and there wouldn't be any reason for it other than something that's never really been proven. But um, what about, what's your take on it, Campbell? And then I'll jump back to Callum to get his eye. 
I mean, obviously, when it was it first came out that um, Phil Neville, as it was, was going to be taking charge of it and things, and a lot of folk are then kind of jumping out, oh, it's going to be all England-based. I think, basically, if the players are good enough, then they're going to be picked, and if they want to be picked, then they'll say they want to be picked. So, I mean, as you, as you alluded to there, it's not sort of an under-23s tournament, whereas it, what it is with the men's side, with the women's one, it's, it is one of the main events. So, I think the players are not really bothered. They just know that they've been picked on their ability, so... Unless there's a the really sort of staunch something pro pro independent or something they really don't want to be there, then I think you'll you'll be sort of, it'll be a pleasure for you as you say it will be you get that sense of achievement that you've been selected for such a side. So I mean I think the players will be more than happy to go and just represent all four nations as well as their own. Yeah, I think I think it'd be some buzz. I don't care who you are, but imagine being in that parade of parade of athletes at the start of a tour, uh, start of a, an Olympic Games. That'd be some buzz, and I, I would hate to think that somebody either felt pressured to not have that opportunity or had that opportunity taken away from them because of something that is not proven or is not really. In the grand scheme of things, especially when you think about the time that we were recording this in just now, that in the grand scheme of things isn't really that important. Um, but let's move on to what was your eye, Callum, before we move on to Jai. Um, I had international football as well because I oh, amazing. the Euros, so we can crack on. I'll tell you what, do you want to then lead us into Jay then? What have you got for Jay? Yeah, a simple one for Jay, struggling with Jay. Um, you know, there's two or three things, but I just put Jamaica because it came to my head because I've seen the full game replay a couple of weeks or so back in the Scottish Women's Social. So, um, good times. That's basically it. Yeah, that was good times. Um, I was 20 minutes late for it because I met up with a bunch of folk beforehand. I decided not to cover that game. I decided to be a fan. Um, I wish I decided to cover it because it means I would have probably seen the whole game. But um, uh, Campbell, what about your Jay? Um, Jay was the last letter I eventually got down and it was a tough one, really. I was talking yesterday um, Rebecca Goltick, Kilmarnock, about boots and Nike and Adidas sort of thing which got me onto a fact that I'd been told by a Nike employee a few years back where the Nike tick as we was called, it was actually called a swoosh and Nike employees would get into trouble for calling it a tick so that was my sort of random fact there and with that a Nike slogan was just do it so that was kind of Becca <laughs> that gave me that one so cheers to her for it so um, it was one where I had struggled, I did look at Jamaica as well but I ended up just do it and then that sort of Nike it's a swoosh not a tick just that could be your pointless fact for today. Um, all in the talk about boots, Nike and Adidas, neither of us really had a sort of preference. So I'm not going to ask either of you because you don't obviously play either. But yeah, a bit like Callum's one, it's just sort of a good buzz, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, right, okay. Uh, I've gone for Julie Fleeton. Um, Scotland's record goal scorer, 116 goals, 121 internationals. She also does a bit of telly work. And I suppose this, is, this was kind of my thought process behind it was because... Um, also, Julie does a bit of telework. Leanne Crichton does our, uh, does our Friday nights with Stephen Thompson. Uh, I know that I've seen Rachel Corsi obviously do some stuff in sports scene uh, and Gemma Faye as well. Um, Gemma, who has so far rejected two emails about coming onto the podcast. Come on, pal. Just come on. It's good banter. Um, in terms of, like, we, we've talked about the media coverage a little bit. Do you think that the media coverage in terms of opportunities to speak about women's football, is there enough of that there just now? Um Obviously, like the names I've just mentioned, they're covering the men's game, and that's totally makes a lot of sense because that's where you can get paid, and that's where you can get a bit of bit of a, a profile in terms of covering the game and obviously raising the women's game profile. But we know BBC have obviously put ahead the the plans to kind of stream stream games. The the show with Hibernian Spartans, Hibs Rangers, I thought was going to be a great TV game considering what's happened over the last kind of few months. Um, how how do you try and convince people to cover it more? I think it's probably the question. You know, this might help us raise the podcast when we ask this. So I'll start with you, Calum, in terms of what do you think could be the unique selling point to women's football to kind of get a bit more coverage behind it? Um, it's a tough question because we are seeing, um, as you say, um, players out there. I think when Julie Fleet, I think her early kind of TV career or BBC career, I think she was with me, the company box for the Kazakh game in 2017. I think she'd done an awful lot before then and we did the... BBC stream, I did it with her in the commentary um, and then she kind of does loads now, but yeah they all do the men's game effectively um, and I kind of was disappointed because the sports team, we had that for a brief spell, I think it was the start of last season the men's game where sports team trailed like a soccer Saturday where they were on their red button or online from 3 o'clock and they were covering the first like hour, hour and a half 
online and then the main 4.30 results came out. Quite enjoyed that because there was like three or four people in there. They had like to Lee Alexander or, or Leanne Crichton or, or whatnot in there and you, they kind of talked about it. And they did show um, this kind of content that we sent or now all the clubs are starting to send it to SWF. The, the BBC were showing that in that online programme kind of talking when they were talking about kind of the, the kind of games coming up on the Sunday. So they did do about that, but they kind of disappeared that. Um, I guess what would help, I mean, obviously BBC Alba it's in, in Gaelic and that's fine. Um, obviously that's the remit. And we do have a pundit, Sue Lappin's in a lot of games as well. Um, for the BBC games, we're quite good. We've seen Julie Fleeting at the first one. It'd be quite good. The, it, the streaming and stuff's good and it's probably a point I'll come to when, uh, when we get to later on. Um but the the streamer I think will be good. Um, be quite good if you know maybe had two or three players. In fact, it's quite tough though on a Sunday when at the moment a lot of the that's maybe the difference is a lot of the pundits at the moment are players that are still playing. Um, you know, on the most part out with like Julie Foot and Sue Lappin. Um, so it might well come that it will funnel on in a few years time, a bit like this kind of chain of command where wanting young players to come through and stay in the league after experienced players finish. They may well become more prevalent on hopefully a wider expansion of women's football on, on telly or whatnot. So I think it's maybe a, a patience game and we'll see it more regularly because I guess that's the point for the Sundays on most of our female pundits are playing football. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true as well at the moment. Um, in terms of uh, your opinion on that, Campbell, and then I'll ask you for letter K, which you've done that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think Callum makes a great point there when you're saying that a majority of the players are obviously playing on a Sunday, so getting them on isn't always easy. Um, obviously, Stuart Mitchell, we've had on here, does, he's been doing a lot of work with VBC. He's been on the commentary for these games, and as you mentioned, I like also some of these older players are on it with him. And he has, a, even some of the players, I remember he'd done some of the youth games last year and was on with the likes of Robin McCafferty and Jamie Lee Napier, who were commentating on these games they weren't playing, but it's it's always that. It is tough, as you're saying. I mean, you've got these women, that, like Celian Crichton, that are on talking about the men's game. But then, again, that, that point really that you can't do it when you're playing, obviously, really does stand out. So it, it's tough, but I, you, you think watching them as well, clearly, it's not like they're, they're just going to put on at the side. Actually, some of like the better pundits as well. I mean, Alex Scott, even down south, was one that a lot of folk were kind of moaning about. But in reality, it's a lot better than some of the men that are on. So, I mean... These are people that are getting the chance to go on to do the media stuff and they're also very good at it and we're seeing a lot of Leanne Crichton and Stephen Thompson that have been a great duo as well. So it's, it's definitely good to watch for us and it's one where these players are then getting that chance that once their footballing career's over, they know that there's still the opportunity for them to win the broadcast as well. So it's, it's definitely a good thing. Getting more folk to do it, is, it all just depends who wants to kind of thing. And, but again, the game's been on Sundays. It is tough. I mean, obviously, you can't play and commentate at the same time. Um, into Ard or can I go on to Kay? <laughs> um, I was just going to say and a good point because you mentioned one of the younger players there um, Robin McCaffrey is somebody I did a bit of commentary with last year as well I did one of the League Cup finals that were streamed um, in August I think it was under 17's kind of West League Cup finals she was excellent um, you know and I was kind of watching back we had a watch I say watch party last night under 17's West Cup final with one of the girls um, Kira Richie plays for Glasgow City um, under 17s and she was just asked five minutes before because she was cup tied couldn't play five minutes before Kira do you fancy it you know just give us your opinions and goals chances both sides try and not get too disappointed if other teams score and then she's really good so I think the difference is I think some of the older players they do a lot of media now and they've kind of to take that in and do it whereas I think younger players we see it with kind of club stuff and what have you um, that Players are kind of, if they're doing it from young, um, I know from you know doing the youth games or whatnot, they're more often than not they will are oh, can I do it? Then they're actually really good, um, and that just builds up confidence for if they move into first team level, who knows on the arse level they've kind of got a bit of kind of guess media training in the in the burner from a young younger age if they're getting the exposure earlier. No, and I'd agree with that. Even from doing the podcast the last kind of couple of months, where I've been getting players on, and um, I, I went to the clubs first of all, and the clubs got back to me. It was great because it sort of something out. Started to reach out to players directly, but I think even in that respect, some of them have kind of gone, "Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have, I don't have these things." And even the fact that they go and set these things up, and then they come on and they're articulate and they 
they know what they want to say. I think it's a really good thing. But yeah, um, yeah, I think there's lots of good people out there. Hopefully that continues to grow. But yeah, Campbell, give us your key. For key, I have uh, kilometres. Basically, I do again a lot of 5Ks and things, and there's been some good times from a lot of, uh, in terms of how long it's taken folk to run their 5Ks, whatever other distances. Seen a lot of players doing it as well, and again, kind of going back to the one earlier on about keeping fit and lots of the new ideas. It's definitely been good to see that there's folk out there beating their times. I know certain clubs have kind of have set their players, we've got this amount of distance to do and this amount of days, sort of thing, as well. So it's, it's definitely good for that. Um, you mentioned folk wildling, and obviously these players are not, but there are some folk out there who have kind of claimed to be quicker than Mo Farah at 5,000 metres, etc., which was just kind of daft. But um, I just sort of, again, your opinions on how useful um, these 5Ks plus are, and from, I don't know if you'll know, Callum, from a city point of view, but are they being set any sort of distances that they've got to go and cover in their time off, in terms of fitness plans even? Um, I think from... From what I've seen, um, I've had actually, um, I don't know if it's going too way too many secrets, but going by um, the group, Glasgow City group chat that I'm looking at right now, there was a gym session that's actually, I think, ongoing just now. Um, so there's lots of Zoom stuff going on. I'm sure a lot of clubs are doing that. I think a lot of them are doing their own kind of little challenges, 5K stuff and whatnot. You're seeing it in like Instagram stories and whatnot. They're all doing these challenges, nominating each other. And we've kind of had it. I think even like the little kind of, Toilet roll challenges and that we've seen is kind of little kind of fitness kind of little thing you have to keep trying to do it. Um, but no, it looks like clubs are kind of are doing their bit. And it's pretty cool. Like um, some of the stuff that's going out just now that players are obviously trying to keep at it while um, in isolation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this leads into my so my cave is Cat Lindner and the the story of Cat's obviously quite well known now. So I don't want to dwell on that too much. But I think it, it's an important point to cover about. Well, we're going through this podcast just now. So, for example, myself, I, I live alone in a one-bedroom flat in Glasgow, which most of the time is absolutely fine. But um, at the moment, it's, it's some days it's challenging. Um, and I think that actually having things like these 5K challenges, having your team to support on, is really important. Um, I have started to take up walking to various football stadiums. And uh, as I was joking, um, I've got sunburn, even though we're going to be in lockdown, but that's just been ginger for me. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's it's a really important thing that uh, clubs have this kind of togetherness, and I think you see it. I think you see it across football at the moment. Um, it's maybe a bit more visible to women's football for us because that's what we are focused on. Um, but I think it's really important to have these kind of challenges, kind of mantras, and um, yeah, I think it's it's a great thing to have. I, I mentioned you because you were kilometers, and you mentioned five k's. There was somebody who put up like that was quicker than Mo Farah, and they got quite rightly panned in Twitter for it, but. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's great, and I think I think it also inspires others. I think something that Glasgow City do quite well, Calum, is um, obviously you cover quite a broad spectrum. So your coverage obviously covers the youth academy and stuff like that. And I've seen other clubs do it as well, but Glasgow City, the one that I seem to see the most, is that like your under 11s, under 13s are doing these challenges, and obviously that then feeds into the the senior team as well, yeah. um, which is great. What's what's your key, Calum? My key is pretty terrible after all that. I, I was struggling um, with key. So I've literally taken inspiration of what's in front of my eyes. I'm in, the, I'm in my um, spare bedroom um, in my flat and um, my key is for kit because I'm currently looking at a big box of Glasgow City kit um, <laughs> because um, our media team got new kit for the start of the year and we've had no football yet. So um, it's uh, um, ready to get distributed or I may have to hang it out the window and start doing a, a garage sale um, either or. Um, but that that's as, as good as I could get for key. Well, I tell you what. Speaking of Kit Campbell, we were we were promised jackets about a year ago, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're still waiting for them. It's and do you know what? It's, it's not happening, yeah, is it? <laughs> it's not happening. So we did get asked for sizes, but um, just now, obviously, the weather's cracking. But see, the start of this year when I was sitting there going, I really wish I had a like a waterproof jacket of some kind. However, I then did see uh, Rob, who does the communications um, for SWF. After the Glasgow City Celtic game, uh, Calm, and he was absolutely drenched, and I thought oh, maybe these jackets aren't that good after all. Yeah, so yeah, um, kit is absolutely fine as a choice. Um, L, right, so I'm going to start leading the line. Scottish women's football number one podcast, obviously the the doyen of information for Scottish women's football. Um, as you can tell, I struggled with L, so I just decided that for a bit of self um, self promotion in that regard. Uh, what did you have, Campbell? 
Uh, well, as ladies, in terms of we've seen team name changes, and obviously Kilmarnock were one of the main ones that have now become Kilmarnock women, having listened to yourself when it calling them FC Kilmarnock ladies or whatever over the past year and things. And then Hibs obviously changing as well. Just ladies or women, what do you think either of you really think it should kind of it should be one obviously in the name of SWPL? You've got women's there. Should everyone sort of be under that same kind of name, do you reckon? Or I I think we are not the 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 assembly of people to discuss whether or not that's appropriate or not, it's probably the right thing. It's um obviously some clubs have done it and I've seen in the past as well that people have kind of chastised clubs for calling themselves ladies, but I know that some clubs still go by that that moniker. For me, it doesn't mean much to me either way, whatever people are happy with. Uh, if you're gonna change it, be consistent with it. That's all I'll ask. Um, so I noticed that a couple of teams changed name, but maybe some of their socials haven't changed to match up with that. But here, as long as it's all about the growing of the game, it's it's good by me. What about what about you, Callum? Yeah, I mean I can understand I can understand the the issues um perhaps people have. Um you know, I think women sounds slightly better um aesthetically and, and the like as well. So um but yeah, I think you're right. As long as socials and, and websites and whatnot are kinda, you know, aligned and you're all through the same message, um that, that's good enough for me. Yeah, what about your L then Cal? Topical one, I put line essays, um and in, inverticum in is the Phil Neville stunt, uh, as some people are talking about whether you know it's his appointment was um a bit of a kind of a name, but perhaps not the best person for the job. Um, is there ever any risk that, you know, my question is, is there ever a risk Scotland might do this and pluck someone out from the men's game to, to manage the women's team? Uh, well, I think we I think we probably have a, in our heads, we probably have people who think are quite keen on the Scotland job should it become available. And I think for that regard, I don't think we're going to see somebody plucked out of obscurity from the men's game to go into it yet. Uh, I think that Phil Neville leaving the England job doesn't really doesn't affect us in terms of the Great Britain squad. I actually think the Great, I know we've talked about Great Britain already, but I actually think the Great Britain squad probably would have been an all-England squad, if I'm being totally honest. Um, and I'm just a little bit disappointed that if we played England again, Phil Neville's not in charge because we probably would have won. Um, but what's your take, Campbell? No, I, I don't really see... Uh, I guess more to the point, Shelley Kerr almost at times has been linked with men's jobs when they've come up, and it's then a case of Scotland women, obviously it's one of the biggest jobs she's going to get. Are you wanting to then... I don't see us bringing in just some random name from the men's games, you're saying, just because of, they're a supposed big name. But is there the chance that Shelley Kerr could potentially then become... She was at Stirling Uni a few years ago. Could she then potentially become one of the... Well, the only female manager in the men's game as well, so it's... I don't think we would rather just put one in. Phil Neville might well have been a rushed appointment, but it's obviously, we don't know what goes on down in England, but um, no, I don't think we're going to bring in anyone daft, but would either of you see Shelley perhaps taking a men's job if it were to come up? I just... I think that there's a, an example of this, which is a French head coach at the World Cup, and she managed a Ligue 2 club, Clermont, and um, I just don't think there's any value in... Uh, a head coach of a national side, a women's national side, then going to take a kind of middling, not that interesting job. Um, obviously, Shelley Kerr had a spell at Southern University, did three, four years there. Um, and that also just helped her in terms of going forward, and she also has ties with that university as well. But I would prefer that, that she stayed, if, if she was going to leave, I'll tell you what, if she was going to leave the Scotland national job, I prefer it if she went to like an Arsenal, for example, as opposed to going to Oh, Morton, for example. Uh, what What's your thoughts, Callum? Yeah, I mean, but some story she went back to Arsenal, but um, yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think we've seen it like, you know, when like Eddie Lakey Black left Glasgow City, you know, he went back in the men's game, you know, he had obviously, unfortunately, he had his health issues, but quite tough to find that job, you know, where does that equate to in the, in the men's game if you're trying to do that? Um, so it's quite tough. Um, you look at Scott Booth that, you know, and it's something that's you know on our socials this week that he asks when we had a academy Q and he talks about kind of how Stan Stewart didn't work out and all of a sudden Glasgow City came up and um, it doesn't necessarily matter about what labels it was at, it just that was the job and from the coaching kind of badges and experiences he had 
that's how he got the job kind of thing. Um, so he kind of went from kind of League One club to you know the best team in Scotland in the women's game. So um, it's quite quite hard to pin you know what Shelker could do. I think Shelker did actually a really good job at Stirling University because at that time I was covering a lot of the old league. I, I kind of was covering a lot of East Kilbride at the time um, and doing their social and media stuff. Um, and Stirling is a tough gig because a bit like the the women's team where they might have a core squad but there's still players that are rotating and out because of the nature of the university and students and, and whatnot so um it's tough i think yeah i think if she left scotland and you know, i hope that she doesn't anything soon um all being well in terms of results um i, I kind of get the feeling you know depending on home life whatnot maybe down south in that women's game would be quite good there's I think it would be plenty of big women's clubs that would, would be keen. So um, it's, it's tough because it's quite hard. You're trying not to compare men, women's game and whatnot, but where would be an attractive job in the men's game, you know, and not just for a story, for someone that can take what they've done so well in coaching, you know, like the Scotland national team um, and, and go from, from there. Um, it's tough. No, yeah, and I, I agree. And I think that's, I think that's my thing. I think one of the things about this as well is, Obviously, one of the the underlying mantras of women's football is equality. And I just think you kind of lose that vision of that a little bit when you have somebody who's been really successful at an international level and then ask them to step down to a level that's maybe well below that in, a, in another field. But we'll see what happens. Hopefully, as you say, she stays, she gets us qualified for Euros, we get to the knockout stages, and then who knows what happens. Um, it should be a good wee trip down to England that summer anyway. Uh, let's move on to M. Uh, Callum, what's your letter, M? Um, well, as as media kind of folk, I thought I'd put in media for him. I kind of definitely no fishing going on here at all. Kind of thoughts of kind of content at the moment um, across the women's game, national team and whatnot that we're seeing perhaps on social media while we've got um, no real football. What's your thoughts? Because I know like obviously Glasgow City are doing that, and other teams in the men's game are doing like these watch parties. You know the SFA are doing it, classic games cranked out by the daily or weekly load. Um, plus other stuff, what, what's your thoughts and the stuff that's out there keeping us entertained? I will let um, Campbell take that one first because obviously with leading the line I've been trying to do some stuff. So yeah. I'll let Campbell take that first and then I'll I'll see what he says. <laughs> no, I've I've got media as well. Um, also known the three as we're going to be on. And again, yeah, Campbell, you're saying like the, a lot of these teams, like majority of the teams in SWPL, are, um, they're still putting out that content. It's just saying Glasgow City. I've been showing some of these live games. I know you've also got your kind of the World Cup of kits and things. Um, but I'm here on the other side that are frequently on these things. Hibs have obviously the challenges that we've sort of mentioned as well. So there's yeah, I think the it's it's always, always going to be tough when you get no football to report on. But I think the club media has been very good as well, and they're sort of they're all been putting out something to keep people entertained. The players themselves as well. So it's it's definitely been very good. I think. Obviously, as we're saying, reporting on the game, we kind of have to take out the equation at the minute because we can't. But from a club media point of view, it's, it's definitely been uh, very good. I think there's been some clubs that have done a very good job. I think there's others that maybe could be doing more. But um, I think in general, I think that there's there's opportunity there. There's definitely a line between clubs that have maybe a, a self-managing approach as to those who maybe have are part of a bigger organisation. I think you can see that. I think what I've noticed a couple of clubs is that there's been a little bit of rehash of talk of content that's already gone out, and that's maybe such. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with that in social media. We all know that that sometimes you just need to put stuff out more than once. We know that the hit rate on that first view is not particularly high, but um, yeah, I think it's been all right. I don't think it's been. I think it's been good enough considering the circumstance, and you consider it's a lot of people are volunteering to do all this stuff. I think that's a big thing. I, I, I'm not going to criticise anybody just now for um, not having enough out. If you ask me if I think it could be better, that's a different question. Um, but yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, and maybe some more stuff will come out in the future. Um, that's maybe something we'll have a chat about for in the future. But um, my M was slightly different. I, I went historical with my route. Now, everybody knows the story of Rose Riley. I think Rose Riley is maybe the most covered footballer uh, in Scottish women's football and quite rightly so because her story is super interesting it's never not never not uh, um, never not entertaining listening to some of her stories but I have actually gone for Margaret McCauley do you know who Margaret McCauley is either of you? 
that does ring a bell um, off the top of my head, but I can't, can't think of why, but you're going to tell me, so. Yeah, so Margaret McCauley was the captain of that very first ever international in 1972. And I, part of me is now thinking, I need to explore this further. But yeah, 1972, obviously Scotland's first international, lost 3-2 against England. Rose Ely, as, as I said, was very key to that day. But Margaret McCauley was the captain that day. So I thought, given the fact we're covering pretty much everything to do with Scottish women's football just now, this seemed like a good opportunity to give her a wee shout out. So yeah, Margaret McCauley, well played being captain in that first game. Excellent. Um, letter N... Uh, Callum, what you got for later in? Um, later in, uh, slightly off topic, but topical. I just put NHS. Um, and there is a footballing point that um, you know we we have club doctors in the game. Um, who are, are probably doing something a bit more important than being a football club doctor at the moment. Um, and we you know at Glasgow City we've highlighted ourselves, Joe Love, what she's doing. She's making hand sanitizer. She's a scientist, not like doing NHS, but still a service for the NHS. Um, and carers, you can add into that as well. Hayley Sinclair is a carer, um, as well as a footballer, and she's doing a heck of a lot just now. But I'd say just any kind of medical staff to do with football clubs who are doing the coronavirus fight, um, I think they were worth a mention. Yeah, I'd like to expand that a little bit as well to include anybody that supports carers who maybe people who are caring that maybe have to leave children home. So, for example, Kira Johnson done the United Captain was on one of our podcasts recently. And she's been uh, helping out a school that provides support in that respect as well. So absolutely anybody who's doing anything. Glasgow Women, I know, for example, are doing a lot of stuff who are delivering um, groceries to the local community. So I think everybody's chipping in in their own way, whether it's providing a podcast for entertainment or doing something in a hospital, whatever it is. I think everybody certainly feels like they, they can do something, which is obviously fantastic. What's, what's your end, Campbell? Um, talking to these podcasts, I've went, I've went for Nando's. Um, I noticed yourself mentioning it as well during a lot of the, the There's Your Dinner podcast and the players all seem to love it. Obviously, it's a lot of your protein and thick carbohydrates and things that suits perfectly for a footballer. I'm personally not the biggest fan. Shoot me down all you want. Um, what are your two thoughts on Nando's just off topic? Well, I have to say that I have Nando's down as well because of the fact that literally every player, despite the ma- despite what I tried to do to get them not to say Nando's, says Nando's at some point during the podcast. Um, but yeah, hey Nando's, sponsor us. Uh, but yeah, I think Nando's is okay. It's a bit overpriced for my liking, but yeah, I don't mind the Nando's, Cal. Um, well, I'm just going to take away your sponsorship. Um, I've never heard of Nando's. Um, girlfriends in the room probably two thingies away and it's like desperate for me two years been going out and uh, trying to get me to go to Nando's I got a birthday a voucher for my birthday which is a £20 Nando's voucher so I will go at some point um, but to me I've seen the prices of stuff and I see this price of the sauces and I'm not tight all the time I like good <laughs> food um, too much good food um, but Nando's isn't really up in my top 100 places but I'll probably have to go at some point and use my gift card um, Nando's just just as an FYI, if you are listening, Callum's only an occasional guest, so he if his opinion is okay. If you want to send a black card, if that's a really a thing, then we're good for Nando's. But yeah, um, yeah, I had Nando's too because it was incredible. Even when I deliberately tried to keep the conversation away from Nando's, it came back to it. So yeah, <laughs> um, good good to see we're both in the same wavelength, Campbell. We're behind about too much, obviously. Later, <laughs> um, oh right, okay, oh I've gone for a Ryan. Uh, mentioned it earlier on. Home of Hearts, but it's also a location of national training camps and performance centres. There's obviously been a few features done with that in the, in the past as well. I think it's a pretty good facility. There's obviously a few of them across the country, but um, having been in, I don't know about, I don't know if either of you two have been to Orion, um, but when I go to Orion, I quite like it. It's an easy drive from Glasgow to Edinburgh because you're kind of motorwaying straight off. But if you go on a Sunday, you get to kind of see all kinds of sorts. So I've seen like handball, netball, boxing, all kind of as a precursor to the, the main event, which is obviously the football and one of the back pitches. Um, Callum, uh, what's your experience with Ryan? Um, well, I've, I've been there a couple of times for Youth Cup final days um, in November, but I was there when Glasgow City hosted the Champions League in the group stages in 2018. Um, one of many Champions League moments, Sam Kerr's late goal, five minutes from time to take them into the last 32 um, which that year was United Barcelona and then the Spanish Barcelona um, or Catalonian Barcelona, whatever way you want to say it or go with that. Um, so, um, that, I mean, the indoor is, is pretty good. It's kind of like Tory Glen, but a bit better um, or a lot better um, in terms of because it's a bit more modern and, and whatnot. Freezing, like most of these indoor arenas, the outdoor setup, yeah, you are miles away from anything. 
Um, but the pitch was good, good setup for the, that Champions League um, for those three games. Um, I think it's a pretty decent facility. And uh, what's what's your O? Uh, my O, um, struggling with O, I've just went with odd challenges. Um, kind of touched on challenges earlier, kind of you, you started off with the toilet roll challenge and we've had the teabag thing and other, the, the, the 5K. Um, has there been anything else that you've seen that's maybe not taken off or any other weird challenges from maybe not the women's uh, game in Scotland but further afield? Because there's certainly a few been kicking around. Graham uh, Hart videos of four for West End that me and Chris do not care about. <laughs> there you go, Harry. There's your mention. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, Graham Hart done great as this, and he he likes to drop us the odd video stuff every again. And he shared shared one of four for West End against Glen Rothes, and he shared it twice, and both times me and Cam, uh, me and Campbell, sorry, have ignored it. And I think that's now going to be the running gag that we just keep ignoring it. Um, so yeah, um, but no, I think odd challenges is good. I have started I've started watching TikTok for like half an hour a day, which I'd never done before in my life. I don't understand about seventy-five percent of it, but when I find something good I quite like it. Um so yeah, I think that's that's a good thing. I like the pass it on challenges. So the ones where somebody's actually had to put them together. Maybe that's the, the media person in me, but I like those ones. Yeah. Um what's what's your O, uh, Campbell? Um I, I... Kind of comes back to what I said earlier, actually one of the earlier ones, but oh, I put options in terms of the fact you've mentioned some of them, obviously, Chris, as well. Some of the options about what to do with next season. I mean, we've pretty much discussed it already, so you can blank over it if you want, but it's, um, we've pretty much described what the best options are, so we'll move on. Yeah, I think we're going to start getting to the point where maybe we've covered stuff already, but that's fine, because at this point, you're probably listening to podcast number two, so I'm going to tell you to listen to podcast number one about this. So that's all good. Uh, right. Letter P. Uh, Campbell, what's letter P since we kind of blanked over your own a little bit there? Uh, podcasts. Podcast. Obviously what we're doing now and it's we've mentioned the There's Your Dinner thing. Just kind of keep the football fit. There's been a fair few of them going about and the There's Your Dinner ones, Chris, is a, is a very good invention for you, I must admit that. It's kind of we all like food and we all like football. So hearing about both is good and kind of also listen to any other ones you can. Just They keep us all busy there, aren't they? So uh, is there any other podcasts that kind of Stand out to you two. I'll, I'll tell you what, Calvin, you take that one first. Um, I'm kind of struggling the podcast out with the the fine productions you put out, uh, Chris. Um, I actually have podcasts as well, um, or a podcast because they're coming on this podcast. Um, so I, I listen to a lot of kind of different football ones. Um, at the moment and I like a lot of talk sports stuff and whatnot. You know, some of it's kind of mad par, but um. But at the moment, I'm kind of a bit of a standstill. But some of these extended interviews and clearly just plugging your podcast here um, is has been good in recent weeks and has filled the void when you know our kind of week to week football and podcasts of or sport and podcasts are kind of light. Um, and I'm having to try and find other podcasts. Um, kind of, I like a lot of American kind of the like serial and stuff like that so I'm kind of having to dive back into that away from sport because there's nothing too heavy at the moment which is uh, which is a shame I, I, well this is going to be one of my questions for you because one of the things I've found and this is a tangent based on your question but I don't think we'll cover it again is I, I've missed football but I haven't missed it at the same time if that makes any sense at all um, football obviously plays a huge part of my life pretty much all the time at the moment but I've also quite enjoyed having time not to have to think about football sometimes. Um, so in terms of podcasts, like uh, the ones I've enjoyed listening to, I enjoy uh, the Off Menu podcast, uh, which is Ed Gamble and James Acaster, which is kind of a little bit where I ripped off the There's a Dinner idea from, I'm not going to lie, where they basically get a celebrity on and go through like a three-course meal. So I didn't do that with, that, with um, leading the line, but that was kind of where that came from. Outside right, I think it's quite good. It's football-related, but it's very much kind of culture, travel, which is right in my wheelhouse. Um, and I've been kind of taking recommendations from folks. So somebody says something's good, I'll uh, listen to it. But uh, yeah, I think podcasts are good. I think what I have noticed is that some podcasts now are just are kind of a vessel for people just to kind of not be bored, which I am fine with, by the way. I think that's... See if you're going to be brave enough to speak on a microphone and put it out there, absolutely fine. You go ahead and do that. I think that's, that's an excellent way to kind of vent out the boredom. I've seen a couple of people kind of be a bit critical of that, which I think's 
totally unfair in the circumstance. But yeah, uh, have you got any recommendations as health, Campbell, based on that? Um, based on that. To be honest with you, Chris, as much as I'm on this one, I, I'm not a huge podcast listener. I mean, I've been previously and I listened to some of your own ones and then kind of done United-based ones, but otherwise I'm not one that's going to listen to it too much. So not really, no, I'm almost kind of looking for some recommendations from yourself more at any point, but aye. I'll, 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 reel, I'll reel off a few because what I have noticed, and I don't know if you're the same, Callum, but I have noticed that I, I've changed how I listen to my podcast. I used to always do it through my iPad, which is on iTunes, but I now always do it through Spotify on my phone. And because I've done that, I've changed the ones I've subscribed to. So um, I, I mentioned Outside Right, I mentioned Off Menu. Um, the Trip, which is kind of, it's a podcast kind of based on food and culture that used to be behind the paywall, but they've taken it back uh, back away from a paywall. And at the moment, they're just kind of going around um, going around the world, speaking to people in different lockdown situations. And it's quite an interesting take because we all, we've all kind of speculating what everybody else around the world's doing. Um, so that's quite a good podcast. I like my Spanish football, so the Spanish football podcast is a, is a good one for me as well. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like pick up stuff and I listen to it as I go. Um, are you kind of the same, Callum? Or have you got, you got, you got your set routine? Yeah, no, that's kind of how I roll. And you're right, my kind of podcast listens change quite a bit. I, I lot my kind of the daily ones, like say, because I usually at the day job during the day, and so I don't like I like kind of Hawksby and Jacobs that talk sports, probably the one civilized show on the station. And the day, like kind of some one or two dailies like that, I'll probably listen to it at night when I'm going to bed. And sometimes if I don't quite listen to it or I fall asleep, I'll kind of pick up the full night. I kind of have like a list of kind of these episodes, dailies that kind of I eventually catch up on. Um, some one or two others as well. Like, I, I like I don't I, I've never played golf in my life, but I like golf. Um, and so I like listening to like Sky Golf podcasts or um, the Andrew Cotter who does a lot of commentary for rugby and, and golf kind of started up his own podcast. The BBC cut their own one, which fun enough was called the Cut. Um, and and some I'll suddenly listen to that kind of bedtime. It's kind of my unwind time. I don't read books per se, so that's my kind of unwind. Um, but some of the longer ones, um, like the golf ones or some of the football ones, that are about an hour or so, I'll drive when I drive to work. Um, because I'm about fifty minutes in the car. Um, to work. Um, so if I have two or three of them stacked up and they're about an hour long, that's quite useful for the car journeys. Um, at the moment, as I say, I can probably listen to podcasts a lot less because. Some of the regular ones are kind of lacking at the moment because there's no football. Um, so I'm kind of a wee bit in nights, but not as much as anywhere near as much as as what uh, I would be usually. Yeah, I think the other two that well, the other three maybe mentions Lower League Ramblings, which if you're a Scottish football fan, I definitely recommend it. It's uh, Danny Denham who plays for East Fife. Um, he gets folk on who played in the lower leagues to chat through their kind of careers in football and stuff like that as well. Definitely a good listen. Um, I should probably mention the terrace since I'm kind of not associated with the podcast. I'm associated with the TV programme, but it'd be silly of me not to mention it since it's in the, the realm. Um, and Pure Football as well because they're good lads and they've had me on a couple of times. So I, I think you should keep them on as well. Um, Callum, what's your P? I mine was podcast as well. Um, so we can crack on. Cool, I will crack on. And then I, I've got Petersell Park as my P because you have Wembley, Hamden, Camp Nou, Marikana, all iconic homes of football, but none is more iconic in Scottish women's football than the Springburn Sands either that is Petersell Park, which has got Glasgow City, Glasgow Girls, Partick Thistle and hundreds of other clubs at it. Um, it's a it's a quirky it's a it's a decent little venue. I quite liked it when uh, I quite like it when you have teams like Broadby. I, I was super interested, Callum, uh, about Wolfsburg coming to Peters Hill Park because it's really the first thing maybe since PSG. Did PSG play at Peters Hill Park actually? No, PSG played at the time. Um, at the time, Airplane. I don't know what the. I think possibly might have been the previous managers thinking. I'm not sure, but at the time, I think actually there was a bit of discussion as Peters Hill's pitch was about done. I think and for. Champions League, they, they moved to Airdrie by then, Glasgow City, so um, PSG played uh, that, that game as Excelsior, um, but um, as the times went on, I think the pitch was too big for Glasgow City in European games, so, yeah. like, for example, after the, the run in the quarter-finals, um, Glasgow City played Chelsea the following season, the last 32, and it was 1-0 they lost at Chelsea, it was quite a tight pitch, probably similar kind of dimension to Peter Hill, but then they got ripped apart a bit um, at the Excelsior, and that was a you know, a Glasgow City team which had Denise Sullivan, Erin Cuthbert, 
um, Fiona Brown, um, players such as that. Rachel Corsley was in there as well, back in loan at the time. Uh, Claire Shine up front. Um, so yeah, there were heirs at the time. Um, I, I think I, I probably I'm, I'm probably okay to say this, but there was a, an interesting story from the Champions League draw that when we when Glasgow City drew Wolfsburg, um, Wolfsburg were under the impression that Glasgow City would be moving the, the game because um, Peter Saul wasn't compliant, even though it was before. Um, and as you if I comply, you know the lot of work wasn't at Peter Saul when uh, Glasgow City played Champions League games. So um, fingers crossed the game will get played at some point, and I think that him. Um, it will be very interesting to see like the um Neil Harder and Cole come to Pierce Hill Park. But Pakistan done it um a few years previously. But yeah, there's definitely a bit of intrigue about you know Wolfsburg coming in third or six thousand seater stadium or, or whatever they've got that come to the PZ for for a Champions League game. As it's a it's a very weird um juxtaposition as somebody who's follows junior football to go to Peter's Hill to watch Peter's Hill play against somebody and then seeing Champions League football at it. It's a uh, <laughs> it's it's good, but I think I think I'm a big believer that your home ground's your home ground. So if that's where Glasgow City play, then that's where the game should be played. So yeah, I agree. I think seeing Pernille Harder at um, PZ Park, if she's still there, because I know there's chat that she might be moving. Um, yeah. Then yeah, I think that's definitely a good thing. And that brings us to the end of part two. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, you can subscribe to the podcast. Uh, all the usual places. I've rhymed them off so many times now. I'm not. I'm not going to do it this time. Um, please don't give it five stars. Lots of good reviews means that we get lots of more coverage and hopefully more people listening to the podcast. We will be back with part three next week of the A to Z, and there's still lots of player interviews coming up. And um, there's been some going out this week, and there'll be some more going out next week. But for now, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe. Speak again soon. 